Hello, everyone. My name is Brandon Stemwoodall, the business development manager with Modi Sports. Um, and my guest today, Sonia Barr, former player at Bemidji State University, um, is currently an assistant coach um, at UMD uh, here in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to Sonia to kind of give a little bit more feedback on her. Hello. Uh, let's see. I'm a Duluth native. I grew up playing soccer at a very young age and played in high school, played club, played at the Division II college level, and now I'm coaching at the Division II college level. Um, predominantly taking over goalkeeping, uh, defense kind of specialty, which is my position was goalkeeper in college. So done some courses in goalkeeping and kind of broad basic soccer coaching. So excellent. So so obviously diving into like why why you got started in soccer. So like obviously here in the United States there's so many sports that are out there and I mean you're young as well. So there was a lot of sports that you know, women were able to do, you know, like before people couldn't do that. So why, why soccer? What got you into it? Well, let's see. I got into soccer back in the mid nineties. See, I would have been about three or four. So I've been about 97, 98. It was, well, one, it was cheap for my family to get their kids into soccer. And it was, it was fun. When you're little, you just run around and kick a ball, and you're outside. So it was kind of a good thing for my parents to get me out, and I was a high-energy kid, so they liked seeing me running around. I know my sister had played soccer when she, in her youth, so my dad is a soccer guy. He's a sports guy, but he saw the youth soccer was, was a good thing. And it just, I just gravitated towards it because it was fun. And my dad was one of my very first coaches in, in my youth. And he would teach us basic skills and then we would play. It, it was, he made it fun. So that's what kept me in, involved. And when I started doing competitive soccer, uh, my dad had a rule that everyone got to play a little bit of goalkeeper. And... I remember one competitive game, we were losing like 13-0. It was, it was sad. <laughs> and at halftime, he asked us, he's like, well, anyone else want to try goalkeeping? And I kind of raised my hand and I said, I'll give it a shot. And uh, we probably let in maybe three or four goals, but he, my coach was shocked at how well I did. He's like, you're really good at that. You want to keep playing it? I'm, but I was really interested in playing and just playing all sorts of positions. So we struck up a deal. I would play half of the game in net and the other half on the field. And it followed me all the way into high school. And the high school coach saw something that, you know, that he wanted for his program. So in ninth grade, he kept me on JV and, wanted me develop developing and they had a goalkeeper coach at the time and uh, that's when I started looking at colleges. And so that's that's really out. interesting and cool. Yeah, I'd say so. That, uh, what I could do, the talent that I had and 
my physical abilities, I was able to uh, spark a coach's interest in uh, in a Division two school. So awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of diving back into, you know, getting into soccer. I mean, you volunteered to be a goalkeeper and you wanted you ended up playing half, you into the decision to play half and half. Um, but why did you stick with soccer? Like what what about it? I mean, what made you go from recreational where you're running around and just kind of having fun to going into more of that competitive realm? Well, when my dad asked me if I wanted to keep playing and uh, he would ask me questions like, do you want to keep playing? Do you want to get better? Do you want to do this at the next level? Like, you know, he would he gave me the choice and I liked it. It's, I had friends there and I was able to stay active and, you know, I didn't. I didn't know what I would do if I wasn't playing sports. You know, I, I was in music and that that was nice, but it wasn't as satisfying as, you know, running around or, you know, playing a sport. I think the competitiveness started growing in me and I wanted to be more competitive. I liked, you know, the it's kind of like playing chess, but on a big field <laughs> where right. you get to run and, and work with other people. It was my personality really gravitated towards team sports and being outside. I loved being outside and soccer is just, it's just a good sport. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to explain when I've loved it for so long and it has a lot to offer in the realms of, learning things for life. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can relate. I mean, I've been playing the game for like 26 years. Um, and, and ever since, I mean, I remember when I was thir three years old, I went to every game, went to every practice, and I never touched the soccer ball. I just <laughs> would run, I would run next to it. I would do, yes, it was. So, I mean, that's kind of the same thing, like, you know, but I enjoyed it. I loved it. And my parents were like, well, maybe he'll get into cross country or maybe he'll do something like that. So maybe was that something that maybe your parents thought of, too? Like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, were you the were you the one that scored all the goals all the time? Or were you the one that just was like the dominator on the field and everyone looked to you like, oh, my gosh, Sonia's coming? <laughs> no, I mean, I I gravitated towards you know that winger aspect i love i love just pinging the ball into the mixer setting people up i mean i couldn't i didn't care if i scored or if i assisted or anything but i i liked helping in the process so when i was back in the goalkeeping position it was there'd be times when my parents would see me and they're like, you seemed really frustrated that game. And I'm like, well, I just wanted to help out the team. And, you know, when, when you get a one zero game or a zero zero tie, it's like in the realm of goalkeeping. Yeah. You are confined to that little space because your first job is to protect the net. Mm -hmm. So ultimately I always wished for like a three zero win, <laughs> which means that, we did our job defensively and the uh, offense did their job. It could be 
a frustrating position because you're doing your job, you're you're keeping the playing field even, but you kind of have less of a helping role in that attacking third, unless you can ping the ball down to the other side of the field, which in high school I frequently did. I would just punt the ball all the way to the other side of the field, and our really fast forward would take maybe a touch or two and score. So <laughs> that, that helps to have that in your wheelhouse too. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm also hearing as well, like especially early on when you were able to play both positions, how like looking back, so shifting from like a, a player's brain to a coach's brain, how how do you think that playing on the field and being goalkeeper, how did they re- relate to each other? and develop you into the more final product uh, of being a player? Well, playing on the field, I was able to develop my touches with my feet, which was huge in goalkeeping, especially uh, back in the like 80s or so. They really changed the goalkeeping aspect where when you passed back the ball, they couldn't use their hands. So they had to use their feet. And so goalkeepers that were really skilled in their foot skills were the ones playing. And the older goalkeepers that had always used their hands and had no idea how to use their feet, no idea how to kick a ball or, you know, even receive a ball. So that helped a lot in being, you know, efficient with your feet so that you could play that position and then just being agile, quick, strong. Those are some some of the qualities that I had that allowed me to play that position because as a goalkeeper, you get in the mix of things. And when you're putting your hands trying to get to the ball, you got legs swinging at you. So if you're not strong, then you're going to get hurt. And when you're hurt, you're not going to play. And then that just develops a whole other issues that, you know, when you're not playing, you, you get discouraged and you you learn adversity, but not fun. Being hurt is not fun. I, I didn't handle being, <laughs> being hurt very much. So I rarely got injured, but when I was hurt, you know, my coaches would ask me, like, are you, are you hurt? Can you play? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Just, just let me play. Uh, the pain will go away. <laughs> yeah, I, you get a lot of times, especially in the younger, younger ages, where everyone wants to be a goalkeeper. And and yet all they do is they'll just stand there. And I don't think everyone understands like the true meaning of a goalkeeper. Um, and so I, I'd like to know from your words or your definition of what is a goalkeeper and, and what does it take to be one? Uh, goalkeepers for me are, you know, they're multi, multi-layered people. They can, they can, direct, they can lead, they can also be a follower, they are strong, but they also can be, you know, more understanding. They are kind of the eyes on the field, so, because they're they're way in the back. Everything happens in front of them, so they got to be respectful, they have to be respected, they have to be trustworthy. A lot of the, a lot of goalkeeping comes from having a very strong mind mindful being aware knowing how to crisis manage being calm under pressure 
I mean, it's kind of hard when you've got your anchor in the back rattling their mouth, panicking, you know, because then that mm-hmm. then that makes the whole team panic. And, you know, right. panic doesn't really help with getting the ball away from the net. So I would say goalkeeping takes a very, very special individual, which growing up, anytime somebody would say, are you the goalkeeper? And I would say yes. And they're like, oh, I could totally tell. <laughs> Sponsored by Bipro the ideal lifestyle choice for athletes and health enthusiasts by providing clean protein without artificial ingredients or sugars. Whether you're looking for a pre- or post-workout supplement or a quick drink on the go, visit modisports.com to receive 15% off your next BiPro order. So, and you gotta kind of have a little edge to you. I mean, we're we're definitely not in the same boat as a, uh, I would say a hockey goaltender, but goalkeepers are unique they're very unique people and they uh, you can always pin them out because of how they carry themselves and their their edge they have an edge kind of to them and so I, I love working with goalkeepers because it's you you have your own little language that you speak and you can all relate to each other because you're all both and you're all insane because you know who wants to stand there and get a ball pelted at them and dive across the across the air and land on a on a hard surface um i don't play it now because i'm out of practice but anytime i dove on the ground in my retirement age it's you know i hurt for a week <laughs> goalkeepers are are special i love them <laughs> Yeah, so kind of going into those layers that you were talking about um, and, and talking about like your development as well as, as a goalkeeper, having those foot skills are, are really important. Um, and so what are, what is some advice that you would give um, players that are, are getting ready to get into that competitive realm of soccer where they're U, U11, U12, somewhere in there? What is something that you would give the advice to them? Um, and even some of those coaches? I would postpone specializing them for as long as you can. Keep them on the field. Keep them engaged and incorporated with practice as long as you can. Um, It's going to require a little bit more time and devotion to the player to be able to also get those hands uh, hand skills that they need and special footwork for goalkeeping. Or, or if you want them to specialize, make sure that you are doing half and half. It's it's half feet, half hands. Um, the recent course that I just went through, a lot of a lot of the stuff that we were working with, the feet were incorporated, and it was mimicking play as much as possible. When you have your defense incorporating your goalkeeper, they're they're using their feet. They're getting the ball. They're they're able to kick it long. They're able to pass it short. They're able to sometimes have to go around an attacker. You know, sometimes you have that really speedy kind of nuisance of a, an attacker that anytime that you get the ball on your foot, they're going to run at you to try and, you know, psych you out or get you to kind of cough it up so that they get an easy tap in. I, I never like those sorry (laughs) yeah but being able to to challenge their mind and 
incorporate both of those aspects of using your hands and using your feet in the practices. And I, I think separate separating goalkeepers from team practice. I never liked it. Was kind of like yeah, you go goalkeepers go over there and you know you know catch a ball. Catch. It, it's different now because if you start isolating them away from the team, then you're not going to have that strong leadership that you want them to develop. You know, you should have them engaged with the team. And, you know, if you have any drills that require a, a leader or somebody that needs to be giving directions, they are some of your best candidates, or at least that's how they can grow and develop and get those skills. I've, I've known quite a few goalkeepers that were very quiet and timid and, you know, not really in-your-face leaders, but when they stepped on the field, it was like they flipped a switch, and you know, you you would you wouldn't tell just meeting them off the street that they were vocal, that they were leaders, that they were direct, that they were you know trying to conduct all these moving parts on the field, but they were trained that way, you know, that when they were on the field, that this is what you do. So those are those are kind of fun people to talk to. I'm going to transition a little bit um, and and talk more about when you were when did you make the decision that you wanted to play college soccer? When did that start for you? Maybe eight or nine. Wow, pretty early I, then. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I always kind of had a dream. You know, you you'd uh, watch movies. And they had college athletes, you know, it just looked fun. I didn't know what what college I was going to go to. I didn't know what level I was going to go to, but I knew I wanted to play in college. And I think as I got older and more competitive, like, and when it was necessary to start decide, making that decision, I would say about seventh, eighth grade, I think ninth grade, I started actually doing uh, Olympic weightlifting and getting stronger that way and getting the technique of how to lift weights. So I think ninth grade, I started the actual process of, you know, my dad would come and film my games. And I think seventh, eighth grade, I went to camps and developed my skills a little bit more. And I had people that were, uh, especially my high school coach, that would talk to my dad and be like, if this is what she wants, then... You know, these are some of the steps that she needs to take. And, you know, this is where I see her playing. And so that helped me go into being serious about it. Um, but I also played other sports, so I was still staying active. And I didn't I didn't burn out from soccer. So, yeah. So there, there's two pieces in that conversation that I heard. And, and the first one that I heard is that you had a support system. And mm -hmm. so so I'd love to hear more about the support system that you that you have or had in your process growing up and what kind of what each role kind of took it's it's kind of a, a very layered question but I'd love to hear like the people that were involved in this in the roles that they played in helping you in your college process yeah well my dad was a big he, he was a big he was kind of like my my coach my my manager so to speak he would asked me questions of what I wanted and I remember sitting in our living room and he was asking me 
you know, do you want to be in a place that has palm trees or cactus or pine trees or, you know, it's just little, the, the little details he was asking me to help me figure out what, where would be the best place for me to go? Um, where would I be happy? You know, finding out if, you know, the school colors meant something to me, you know, you know, not a lot of people thought about that, but he, he asked everything and he took the liberty to find a camera because he knew that the importance of film, I mean, we would review film and he made a high school highlight reel for me so that I could send it to people all over the country. And so he, yeah, he was, he was a very huge support person in my life for soccer and we would talk a lot of all the traveling trips down to the cities. We would talk about that and where I wanted to go with it and things that I needed to do. And he would do all the research. I, mean, I wasn't a big researcher, so he, he did most of the research because I had a job of getting good grades and doing well on my ACT and, you know, just developing my skills and being the best that I could at the time. My high school coach, the first one that I had my freshman year was, he was good. He talked to me about uh, getting playing time, you know, getting as much game experience as I could. So he didn't want me to be on a team where I was going to sit on the bench. So it was kind of nice to have that support of, we want you to play, we want you to get experience and, and learn what it's like to play at that level. High school was a bit different sophomore, junior, senior year because we had coaching changes every year. Um, but then I started playing club at a different club my last few years who was coached by a college coach. And, you know, he would get us at places where we could get exposure to college coaches. And that was helpful because then you could actually get set up to have those conversations with coaches. And he had a big network system that you could take advantage of and he could talk to those coaches for you. And I would say the club coach was big help and my dad and the, my early high school coach. Right. That's, those are really helpful because I, I think a lot of people overlook um, the support system that they really need. Um, and and that is, that's a big part of, of the recruiting process. Um, and so, so one of the things that you said as well was that your dad was your manager almost and like asking you questions of the little finer details. So Mm -hmm. if, if I'm a, if I'm someone that's looking at playing college soccer myself, what are some things that you would tell me, um, in that, in your process that really were things that that weren't on your radar but that were big factors going into college i think one of the big factors for me was did i want a small medium large extra large school like that that was going to put a big impact because smaller schools maybe in a smaller city you you have less distractions possibly because they say the University of Minnesota, they have big homecoming things and they have a lot of school events that outside of athletics, if you were just going there for school, that brings a lot of people together. And 
you know, they had different uh, fraternities and sororities. You know, I, I didn't go to a school that had those things. So it was just kind of looking at the aspect of how how large of a school do you want to be at? Um, I thought I, I never thought about it until my dad asked me about it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you when you finally made your decision to go and play college soccer, um, when when how did that process look for you? When did you make your final decision on going to college where you did? I committed about it was after Christmas, my junior year of high school. So that process had started when I was a sophomore, when you're allowed to talk to coaches. But I had set myself up from, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade film. and. Um, so, again, yeah. So you said that you were going into um, your freshman year and then continued growing um, as a player. And you decided to make – you made your commitment your December or a little after Christmas um, for, for coming to Bemidji, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, so what did that look like? So you made your commitment now to go to Bemidji. Did you tour the college at all beforehand or did you? I believe it was after my junior season. Okay. So you went and toured there. Did you tour a lot of, a lot of places? No. There were two schools on the East coast, kind of in Kentucky and Tennessee that, um, that were interested. But again, having the money to fly out there was a big expense and getting a team out there. They wanted to see me play in person. And that was a challenge for me in Duluth, Minnesota, to get a team to get myself out there to play for these coaches that were interested. But it would have been more of a gamble. So staying local was easy. So it's a three-hour drive to Bemidji that my whole family took rather than a three-hour flight probably by myself or with my dad right. to Kentucky, Tennessee area. Makes a big difference for sure. Um, and, um, my dad was out in uh, Southern California for a conference for work, and he was over by – Point Loma school so he kind of toured around and he showed me pictures and I I knew that school was going to be a long shot and unfortunately they weren't looking for a goalkeeper for my graduating class which was kind of disappointing but I remember a picture of the field their field was on like a cliff overlooking the ocean it was amazing like oh my I I fell in love with that picture and I didn't even have to go there, but it was so beautiful. I'm like, Dad, I could stand on the field and just look at the ocean. And I really love water. I love running water. It's it's something soothing for me. So, I mean, now that I think about it, one of the improvements that Bemidji had when I was there was they redid their football field to be a turf field. And that is right next to the lake. In Bemidji. Oh, very cool. And so, yeah. again, I could stand in the goal box and look at the lake. So it kind of worked out for the best. But yeah, it's just odd things that you didn't, you wouldn't think that you would know about yourself until 
it comes across, whether it's in a picture or you go and you see it and kind of experience what it would be like there. Beyond the Bench is provided by Modi Sports. Modi Sports is the ultimate youth soccer training tool, utilizing 3D motion capture technology to teach soccer skills and drills that can be studied from any angle. Coaches, parents, and players can download the Modi Sports mobile app from the Apple App Store and Google Play. Check us out at modisports.com. Very cool. So let's go in a little bit more about college. So obviously college is not just where where you play soccer and that's it. Like there there's an aspect of, okay, well, I, I've made a commitment that I'm going to play soccer, but that's still considered extracurricular. What what focus of, of college did you did you have uh, going into your freshman year? I started thinking about doing nursing. So I was looking at schools that had nursing as a, a major, but after my freshman year, it, it kind of hit me where it, just a change in my mentality was, it wasn't to disregard school or anything, but that I had one shot to play college athletics. I I wanted to make the most of that. So I and I I don't like dividing my resources, dividing my attention because if I wanted to do nursing school, I would have really needed to focus on studying and doing and I would want to have done the best that I could have. I would would have wanted to be top in my class. And I, I just didn't want to divide my attention that way. So I switched majors to exercise science. Not that that was easier, but I had a good base of knowledge already. Athletics, not really athletics, but exercise science, having been in athletics for very, very long. And it, and it interested me. So I was interested in it already, which made it easier for me to study and retain information so that I could really focus on being a good college athlete. And I did well. I did fine at school. I was at a school that fit me well academically. I never and that's probably never at risk for academic ineligibility. Right. And that's, that's probably the emphasis, too, is uh, that people need to know that you have to you still have to carry a certain gpa to be on the team mm-hmm. like it is it's required um whether you play ncaa whether you play naia whether you play juco like you have to you have to hold a certain gpa so so i think it was really smart of you to find that balance of of realizing like look i, I have only got one shot to play here so i'm going to make the most of it but i also need to make sure that i come up with a degree right yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like I was gonna go and get a degree in psychology—not really psychology, but something that you know wouldn't have helped me, you know, after graduation. You know, I could could have I would have graduated and been able to, you know, go and get a job doing something like you know working at a gym or you know I could I could have gotten by with my exercise science degree and I remember a conversation with my mom about changing degrees and she was very worried and concerned that if I wasn't going to be a nurse that you know she just was very concerned about that so I I let her know that mom if if this doesn't work out I can always go back to school and 
do nursing school or do something else or it's it wasn't a in the concrete decision it was a decision at that time at that point that was best for me with a future also in mind yeah which is also so, different for other kids i've known a lot of kids that are like i want to be an engineer and i want to play soccer it's great engineering is a very challenging degree to aspire to and to be a college athlete i mean there there's a lot of kids out there that are you know taking on those challenging degrees and being really talented athletes right and so that comes down to like the time management portion portion of it like you had to you have to manage your time differently than others um, especially mm -hmm. if you have a degree that requires a ton uh, from you mm -hmm. um so let's fast forward a little bit um so you're, you're kind of wrapping up your your collegiate seasons um and you're you're wrapping up college at this mm -hmm. point so so where does your career take you from there like you know clearly soccer has been a big part of your life for for so long um what did you want to see happen to it after that i really wanted to go and play overseas somewhere um i think i made that decision about sophomore year in college that it was it was an interest to me and trying to find an avenue of how that worked it was it's hard it's hard especially at a division two level to kind of have that opportunity it's not impossible but it's hard i was a five six goalkeeper that that's a challenge you know on paper if you are five ten plus coaches will say yeah we'll take you i don't care if you don't know how to play we'll take you <laughs> So that was a challenge. My team did not win the conference. You know, we made playoffs, but we never won the conference with regular season play. We never won the conference in the tournament. You know, we weren't getting into that next region that kind of gives you a leg up, you know, like saying, yes, we've we've played at this next level. You know, I, I've had experience at that le next level. I think uh, one of my good friends and I went to a combine down in Florida. Um, it didn't work out. I had an opportunity in Greece that turned out to be a disaster. So it's it was a dream that I had and it come to fruition, which was hard. I mean, playing, it was either go to that next level or be done. It was hard. I didn't know what to do after soccer was over and I didn't get to go somewhere else and I always felt that I had more to offer to the sport but it kind of changed so it went from me playing to me mentoring or coaching which was hard for the first couple of years uh, kind of it's kind of like putting salt in the wounds almost um if you haven't fully healed from your time you you know i think kobe bryant said it really well with his uh letter to basketball little short film you really have to grieve and heal and close that chapter of your life to really be able to uh give your players your full resources. I know 
I struggled a lot with, you know, after I graduated, the team had started to pick up, you know, they were getting some better players. They, you know, they're in the top four in the conference. They're going into the regional tournament. Um, and that was hard because it's kind of like you wanted to be there, but, you know, I had to accept the fact that I played a really big part on the team to help get that mentality of, you know, we can be this good. You know, we may be sixth, seventh, eighth in the conference, but there's their future was that we were going to be a, a more competitive team. And right now they are doing that. And that's really great. And it has been a process for me to get there, but I'm very happy that they are doing well and that they are competing at that high level. And kids are going, we had a player, um, she was a freshman when I was a senior, she played in Sweden. So that was really cool to kind of hear her experience and playing over in Sweden. And so you learn how to change your mindset on looking at the bigger picture of, you know, especially playing in a program, you put four years of your life and kind of your stamp on it. And you can either look at it as, oh, I didn't accomplish anything and we didn't go anywhere. Or, you know, I helped, I helped that program develop and get better. Right. Look again, like what you said, looking at that bigger picture. That's really cool. Yeah. Which I think that, that turn in my mindset, it, it also helped me be a better coach because I was able to look at it more of a big, bigger picture. And, and I look at my players and I ask them, where do you want to go? And, you know, kind of what my dad did for me, you know, what do you want? What do you want soccer to do for you? What, what, where do you want to go with it? It's kind of fun. One of my players wants to go and play overseas and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, figure out a way to do that. So now I think playing in WPSL is bigger with uh, mm -hmm. Division II players now than it was when I was playing. Yeah, I, you know, I'll be honest, uh, being a women's coach myself, I didn't really know anything about the WPSL um, until just a few years ago uh, of how big it actually is um, mm -hmm. and how, how it's growing. Um, obviously we have the best women's national team um, in the world, uh, winning back-to-back -back World Cups and such. Um, and so that's something to aspire as well. So being a female and looking at them, who is kind of like that? Who is your idol growing up? Um, growing up, I was a big Brianna Scurry fan. She was, uh, she was different in the uh, soccer playing world. I mean, she just, she was very cool, calm, and collected. She had really good skills and uh, her team just really looked up to her. So growing up, she was especially a, a goalkeeper to a goalkeeper. Um, other players that I always liked was Michael Bollock. He was a German, German forward, big power striker. I, I don't know why I gravitated towards liking, you know, big strikers, <laughs> kind of like the Abby Wambox. She was one of my big, big fans <laughs> yeah monsters on the field all, all three of them just absolute monsters on the field they could they yeah. wanted the ball they got it yeah yeah it was kind of like the opposite of me because i was a goalkeeper trying to keep the ball out of the net and was short uh and they're tall and just 
cramming the ball into the net. <laughs> yeah. so maybe it's, you know, opposite subtract kind of kind of thinking. Absolutely. So another one was uh, Didier Drogba. He was another one of my favorites. Just a yeah, good good human. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a very good human as well. John Zidane. He was another one that I like. Kind of French. French. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. French guy. So, I mean, kind of kind of transitioning a little bit, uh, who is, like, we, we talked about, you know, Brianna Scurry is someone that you look up to, but who was, like, a, a personal mentor of yours? Like, who is someone that you you looked at and, and they, they kind of guided you, um, whether it was in life, whether it was in soccer, who, who is it that you look up to the most? During my playing years, it was my dad. He... When he was in his early 20s, he played two years of uh, JUCO baseball. No, actually, he played one year of JUCO baseball and then went to play in the minor leagues. And then when he was done with the minor leagues, after about three or four seasons, he came to UMD. He played college football um, after two years, and then he went and had a small stint with the Atlanta Falcons for the NFL. He knew what it took to get to that level. He also knew what it felt like for sports to not essentially quit him, but you know, he was cut from the team, both both uh, baseball and football. So he knew what it was like to not feel like he, feel like he wasn't finished. So, um, and he was, you know, an, athletic person he was strong and quick and he was a linebacker in football and a catcher in baseball or a shortstop too I think he could play shortstop too so very athletic fit positions Um, so he also helped me grow with my mindset and how to develop uh, you know essentially a sports psychologist uh, helping an athlete. We talked a lot about film review and the importance of viewing yourself and how do you look at yourself and see what you're doing and if it's wrong, how can you change it? So doing a lot of self-correction. And he just encouraged me to figure out what I wanted and go get it. Go do it. Yeah. I My college career was not easy. It was a lot of ups and downs, but he was always there to kind of, you know, help me talk through it. I I have to talk through things in order to sort them out. So he was definitely a, a major impact, major mentor in my playing years. For sure. Um, so kind of in closing, what what is something that you would relay to other players um, that are that are looking to be a goalkeeper or looking to go play college soccer. What is something that you would would tell them um, in this in this parting ways? Well, looking at the recruiting process, things that I wish I would have done would have been to going to colleges and universities that I was interested in and going to their camp. I think now camps are huge very huge because it's it's a easy way to get on campus talk to college coaches and play and they get to see you play i mean it's not perfect because you're not with your team you're not in your own element but 
they get to see you in a training environment and that as a coach now I really like I really like those because then I can you know I can go to my head coach and be like you know I, I don't like training this person we we don't mesh and that's that's okay maybe they mesh well with another coach at a different school so it's kind of it's just taking in information it's not looking at them as a you know positive or negative it's like any kind of working environment is building those working relationships with coaches and being who you are i think being truly honest with yourself and with coaches will help you be happier in the long run for sure so that's cool. yeah and work hard but i mean probably one of the things that you can control is your work ethic so mm-hmm. controlling your controllables and you know, having a little faith that whatever's out of your control is is going to work out. I think right now a lot of kids are really concerned about where their future's going to head because they can't do the things that they used to be able to do, like tour campuses and go and have face-to-face contact with coaches or go and play at practice so that a lot of their development is is their own right now. I guess that makes them nervous, but it's out of their control. I remember doing a lot of work on my left foot prior to going to college because <laughs> I did not want to go to college and be like, you know, this left foot of mine, it's it's no good. <laughs> so right. got better. It definitely got better. So I, but I had to work on that, and I'm glad I did. I didn't Practice have makes perfect. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have somebody going up to me and going, hey, you need to make that left foot better. It was it was me kind of looking at myself in the mirror going, okay, these are a couple of skills that I need to work on. If I want to work on them and get them better, I have to do it. You know, right. which isn't going to make my left foot better other than demanding that I only use it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for your time. You know, I think this has been really helpful, especially to, to a lot of our viewers, maybe going into goalkeeping or even coaches looking at how they can make their players uh, more engaged and looking at those layers that you were talking about. So from us at Moni Sports, we really appreciate your time. Um, and thank you, viewers, as well. Yeah, thank you. Beyond the Bench is provided by Modi Sports. Modi Sports is the ultimate youth soccer training tool utilizing 3D motion capture technology to teach soccer skills and drills that can be studied from any angle. Coaches, parents, and players can download the Modi Sports mobile app from the Apple App Store and Google Play. Check us out at modisports.com. Sponsored by Bipro, the ideal lifestyle choice for athletes and health enthusiasts by providing clean protein without artificial ingredients or sugars. Whether you're looking for a pre or post-workout supplement or a quick drink on the go, Visit modisports.com to receive 15% off your next Buy Pro order.